This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Our show is live here in Kansas City, Sunday mornings, and broadcast numerous cities replayed around the country during the week. And look forward to doing this show every week because we talk about the mental aspect of sports on this show. I've been very fortunate to have been a sports psychologist now in my 39th year. Been on the radio for 28 years, my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And in the last year, we started syndicating our show. We're on in almost a dozen cities around the country now. And our list is growing, and I'm excited about what we talk about on this show. Because I talk about stuff people don't talk about during the week. We talk about your mind. We talk about confidence. We talk about athletes' demeanors. We talk about what makes them tick. And I've been fortunate to have worked with athletes at all levels, from youth sports all the way up to the professional and Olympic levels. I love what I do because my job is to help people understand themselves, get better, and improve themselves. And each week on this show, I try to bring up a topic that I think will be of interest to you, our listeners, and to the people who listen to our podcast. Our shows are podcasted, and uh, it's interesting. I chat the statistics every week. And uh, this past week, I saw that over 55,000 times in the last year, our shows uh, have been replayed all around the world. In fact, Norway, Australia, and England are three of the top four countries, uh, along with Canada. Excuse me, there's four of the five top countries uh, where the shows are replayed and listened to. So I'm glad a lot of people listen to this. I think what we talk about on here is important because I don't talk about X's and O's. I talk about your mind. You know, one of the things that has concerned me in my practice throughout my 39 years of work has been this athletes being mistreated. And, you know, I talk all the time about you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who'll come out on top. Well, how do you develop a stronger mind? And what does that mean? So much of that, quite frankly, is about coaching, and it's about instruction, it's about direction, and it's about the people who guide you. You know, I have a book that I co-wrote with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Famer Coach Pete Malone. It's called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And in that book, we talk so much about the role of a coach the role a coach plays in an athlete's life. They're a guide, they're a director, they're an instructor, they're a psychologist, they're a friend, they're a disciplinarian, they're a teacher. But one of the things that has concerned me throughout my career 
has been athletes who've been mistreated, abused by coaches. And when I say that, there are so many different things that I have listened to in my 39 years. Just to give you some examples, I had a figure skater who had severe anorexia because her coach told her she had too much fat around her waist. She developed a serious eating disorder. There's a gymnast who died, unfortunately, developed an eating disorder, developed severe anorexia here in the Kansas City area because the coach she had told her she was too fat when she missed making the Olympic team. That coach also had another gymnast die doing a vault she apparently wasn't trained for. I've had a half dozen gymnasts from that gym throughout the years who left that gym come into my office and have told me all kinds of things that this coach has told them, abusive. I had a swimmer a couple years ago who came to see me because her coach told her, and this is an elite level swimmer, a high school girl, 16, 17, 17 years old. Coach told her she was a cancer to the team. And the list goes on and on. I have athletes that see me all the time with these issues. They developed eating problems. I've had athletes who've done self-harm to themselves. The suicidal thoughts are there. Why? Because of things that they've been told that quite frankly are abusive. I've come across a study that was done by Dr. Gretchen Kirsch. She's the Vice Dean of Programs at the School of Graduate Studies and a Professor of Athlete Maltreatment at the University of Toronto. She's going to be joining us throughout the show today. She's done an incredible study about athletes in Canada, but nonetheless about athletes. And her study talks about the benefits that sports participation can offer. It's also important to acknowledge that for some athletes, sport is a harmful experience characterized by various forms of maltreatment. Maltreatment is an umbrella term that refers to all types of physical and or emotional ill treatment, sexual abuse, neglect, negligence, and commercial or other exploitation, which results in actual potential harm to health, survival, development, or dignity in the context of a relationship of responsibility. It includes sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, neglect, various types of harassment, bullying, and hazing. And her study sought to assess the prevalence of various forms of maltreatment experienced by current and retired national team members in Canada. The last study was done over 20 years ago. And since that time, the culture with respect to reporting sexual violence as well as child and youth prote protection has changed dramatically. Not only does this study provide a snapshot of athletes' experiences, but it serves as a baseline study against which to assess the impact of future problems. Her study had 1,001 athletes in it. 764 were current athletes, 237 were retired, who'd left their sport within the last 10 years. The most frequently experienced form of maltreatment was psychological harm followed by neglect. Sexual and physical harm were reportedly experienced to a far lesser degree. Across all categories of harm and both current and retired athletes, females reported more harmful behaviors. Similarly, retired athletes reported higher percentages than did current athletes across all categories, probably because current athletes are afraid to say something. 
In the case of psychological harm, most behaviors were enacted by coaches, followed by peers and high-performance directors, a la USA Gymnastics with Dr. Larry Nasser. Neglectful behaviors were experienced from coaches, high-performance directors, sports administrators, while physically harmful behaviors were enacted primarily by coaches. Most sexually harmful behaviors reportedly executed by coaches and peers. Now, this is a study in Canada, but it applies to everything here. This stuff goes on a lot. And, you know, I talk about things on this show, and I try to bring up topics on this show that we need to talk about. Our show is live in Kansas City from 6 to 7 in the morning, but it's rebroadcast, our podcasts are broadcast all over the place. And I think it's important to hear this show today because Dr. Kerr has done this study to find things out. We're going to have her on here after our break. And it's going to be interesting to see what she has to say and what she found in this study and what she, as, as, a, as a professor at the University of Toronto, especially specializing in dealing with maltreatment, what she has found. Because this is an issue we need to address. If you are an athlete who's been abused in any way, I'd like to encourage you to call the show. If you're a coach who has experienced it or seen it, I'd like to encourage you to call our show. This show is about you. It's about helping you. It's about getting people to understand the mental side of sports, not just from a performance enhancement standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint as well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our topic today is the issue of athlete abuse, relating to a study done by Dr. Gretchen Kerr, a a professor of psychologist at the University of Toronto in Canada, a very extensive study that I just read this past week. And it talks about how many different types of maltreatment there are for athletes around the world. Specifically in Canada, this study was done, but it talks about athletes everywhere. And I'd like to hear from you. If you are a coach and you have seen any type of abuse before, and abuse can come in a lot of different ways, as I said, psychologically, physically, sexually, whatever. I'd like to hear from you. What have you done about it? How did you deal with it? If you're an athlete and you feel you've been mistreated, maltreated by a coach, I'd like to get your thoughts. How you dealt with it, how you responded to it, how you reacted to it. John, good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah, I think these kids these days, they just need to toughen up. You know what, man? We're in the snowflake era. And you know what? That's all you got, all these little kids crying on the field. And, you know, the parents just letting them cry. And you know what, man? That's what's wrong with this world today. These kids ain't tough enough. They need to toughen up. They need to get it together because, you know what, this world ain't it, – it's not soft, okay? It, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and so these kids need to get it together, and they need to learn that, guess what, 
their mom and their dad's not going to be there their whole life. Okay, John. John, let me let me ask you a question. I'm not disagreeing with you. The kids need to, to be tough, but where does being tough go to abuse? Tough goes abuse if you're hitting somebody, you're touching somebody inappropriately. You know what I mean? But what about what about mentally, John? What about verbally? What about emotionally? Guess what? That's the way it is, man. Toughen up. Get it together, kid. Because guess what? You're going to have a boss that's out there that's going to bribe you, and he's going to, you know, you're going to be young, and you got to learn. you got to learn to deal with diversity. That's what they used to do in uh, the Army. They don't do it no more, but guess what? Now everything's soft. So, hey, if that's the way you want to live your life, soft. And uh, Well, hold on, hold on. Let me let me jump in here, John, okay? Now, you're, you're bringing up some good points about toughness, and I'm not disagreeing with you that, that people need to learn how to deal with the, that type of stuff. However, where does it go too far? Okay, are you a parent? Yeah, I got two boys. They both play sports. How old are they now? They're uh, 17 and 18. Okay, have they ever been physically hit by a coach? Not physically hit by a coach. Okay, have they been told derogatory things by a coach? No, they haven't, but I have. That, that, that you, well, hold on. That, that, you, that you know of, they haven't. As far as you know, they haven't, but they may have been. That Maybe they didn't tell you. No, they did not tell me. Okay. Well, you have. What were you told? Oh, I was just told that, you know, that I wasn't good enough. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Coach said some things inappropriately about my, about my mother, <laughs> to tell you the truth. All right. And how did you feel about that? And it pissed me off. Okay. But is that is that an appropriate thing to say? Very inappropriate. Okay, and this, well, John, this is why we're talking about this, okay? I'm not disagreeing with you about toughening people up, okay? I work with people about mental toughness all the time. But yeah. there's also a point, John, where we go to what's abusive, okay? And that's what this study has found, that a lot of athletes suffer all kinds of problems, okay, because of the things they're told, <coughs> excuse me, they're told by their coaches that go over the edge. If you were cursed at, you said, your coach said bad things about your mother to you. Yeah. Okay. How'd that make you feel? Uh, it, it made me angry. Okay. How old were you at the time? Do you remember? I was probably like thirteen or twelve. Okay. And what your parent? Did you tell your parents? No, I didn't tell them. Okay. What do you think they would have done if you told them? Probably, I don't know. Take truth. Probably nothing. Really. Okay. So what if your sons? Okay. Let's just take this right now. Let's say you've got your sons right here. Yeah. And. One of their coaches says some derogatory thing about are you are you are you married, John? No, I'm not. Okay, well, what let's say they say some derogatory things about their mother to him. Right. Oh okay. yeah, I would have into him. Oh, what's that? I would have torn into him. You would have, you'd have torn into the coach. Okay, this is what I'm oh, t- torn into him. How in what way? I would. I mean, if either way, I could. If I if I had to put my hands on him, I would. Well, okay, you put your hands on him, then you're causing all kinds of other problems, John. My, This is my whole point. This, John, this is why we're talking about this today. This is a problem that exists, okay? See, and, and this is why coaches need to be trained, not just in fundamentals, but in how to psychologically work with athletes. Okay, I mean, sir, this is this. You're, 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 hold on, hold on. You're not wrong saying that athletes need to be tough. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about abuse. So you've suffered abuse yourself. You were verbally abused about your mother. Sure. Okay. And how'd that make you feel? Didn't make you feel good. 
I'm verbally abused at, at work. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm 40 years old. I still get people that are, uh, you know, running their mouths about me because of race or, you know, whatever. All right, and what do you do about it? I let them, I let them know that don't, 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 uh, they better watch what they're saying once they get to that, once I get to my boiling point. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have a boss? Yeah, I got a boss. Do you have a supervisor? Yeah. Okay, do you go report them? Do you tell the supervisor and boss about this? It doesn't do anything. I've done that before. It doesn't do anything. Well, why don't you do it again? Why don't you do it again? Why don't you go above them? I mean, this is the whole reason we're doing, we're talking about this, John. I mean, you've got some issues you're dealing with in your life right now, okay, where you're getting verbally abused. Sure. Okay, so you need to stand it. There's a, there's a, see, listen, there's a point about being assertive and there's a point about being aggressive, okay? Being aggressive is where you then start going back at these people the way they're going at you, okay? Would you want your sons being verbally abusive to a teammate? No, I would not. Okay, sir. Well, that's why we're talking about this. That's why when I'm talking to you about the importance of, of standing up for yourself, expressing yourself and dealing with these issues, okay, you don't get into a fight. You report it to the people in charge. You were, you, your mother was verbally abused to you by a coach when you were 12 or 13. Okay? See, fighting isn't the answer, sir. Talking to people in charge is what's the answer. You've got to deal with it. So my suggestion to you at your work is to go... Maybe above your supervisor, maybe, maybe to the person, the general manager, the person in charge. Let them know what's going on. Let them know about this. Okay, society did. You are totally right about toughening up. Okay? You are totally right about that. Okay? But here's the point. If you don't stand up for yourself and we don't stand up for these issues, you know what happens? You go on in life pissed off all the time. And I think you've been pissed off a lot about this and it's carried over. Okay, do you understand what I'm getting at, sir? I understand. Okay, well, this is why I think you need to speak to your supervisors, okay? And I would sit down and talk to your sons and ask them, because I would bet you, John, I would bet you that your sons have been told some stuff and they've been scared to death to tell you because they're afraid you're going to blow up. That's possible. Okay, so my suggestion is you talk to your sons about this, what we talked about today, and you talk to your supervisor, sir, and give me a call back and let me know what happens. Okay? Still not going to do anything. John? No. John, there's no harm in trying. No harm in trying. I get it. Well, get it. you try it and give me a call back and let me see what happens. Okay? Sounds good, bud. All right. Thank you for calling in, sir. That was an interesting call. That's why we do this show. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking about coaching abuse today. If you are a coach... And you have seen abuse. Have you said anything about it? Do you do anything about it? If you're an athlete, if your son or daughter has been verbally, physically abused, how do you respond? How do you handle it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I hope you enjoyed that phone call with John. 
uh, who says kids need to toughen up. But I think by the time we're done talking with him, John needs to realize he needs to talk to his supervisor because he has had to deal with some abuse in his life. And this is going on all over the place. And it happens with athletes. It happens with, from coaches who are abusive. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we now have online with us Dr. Gretchen Kerr from the University of Toronto. Dr. Kerr, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, good morning, Dr. Jacobs. How are you today? Very well, thanks. Listen, I, I have looked at your study that you did, and this is, this is incredible. It's, uh, I've been a sports psychologist for 39 years in the Kansas City area. I've worked with athletes all over the place. I've dealt with all these things you talk about in your study. Tell, tell us a little bit about how, why you did this and really the, the, the ramifications of what you found here. Yes, happy to. Uh, this was a um, national prevalence study we did of Canadian national team athletes. Um, it came about because of, uh, of course, increased uh, attention to cases of uh, athlete abuse, both in, in sport and in the public media, where we've, of course, seen some very high-profile, disturbing cases. And um, it occurred to us that, first of all, that both the public and, and stakeholders in sport may not realize or, or think that abuse is um, a common thing. They may think that uh, the abuse they hear about in these high-profile cases are rare one-off um, incidents. And there's also a sense that if we're going to do something about these cases of athlete abuse, we need to know whether they these initiatives make a difference. If we in, in incorporate new policies or new education programs, how will we know if they're working without a baseline measure? And so the purpose of this study was to get uh, a sense of the current landscape, at least in Canadian national sport, um, to see, well, what, what is actually happening out there? And we started with national team athletes, um, because that's where there were some national-level initiatives at the time. You know, in the United States, USA Gymnastics has been under fire now for several years, especially in light of all the sexual abuse that Dr. Larry Nasser, the team physician, did with all these gymnasts. Over 100 now have come out and mentioned how they were mistreated by him. In your study, it, it talks about eating disorders, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, only 35% of these people I saw in your study sought help. This stuff goes on all over the place. There's a quote in here that I, I found from an athlete, and it said, knowing we can be replaced and our careers are on the line, you are regularly forced to ignore issues of maltreatment out of fear. I've witnessed blackmail, intimidation, favoritism, experienced verbal and mental abuse personally. We are silenced to put them we're silenced or put down if we ask questions. I am fearful that after I speak out, I'll be punished. I never felt like there was anyone I could speak to about the concerns about harmful behaviors because sport was my life and I didn't want to jeopardize my career. That is a very sad thing to hear It's that. heartbreaking, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely heartbreaking, yeah. So, and, you, and you studied athletes all over the place, over 1,000, 1,001 athletes, 764 were current athletes, 237 were retired so what, looking at all the, the, this, this research that you did, 
what's what's what do we do? You you, you found that abuse is there. Uh, I just had yeah. a, I just had a guy call the show before we got you online who said kids need to toughen up. He started off by saying kids need to toughen up. They're not tough enough. And then by the time I was done with him, when he was when he was 13, his coach said something terrible to him about his mom. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and now the guy's at work and he's abused, but he doesn't want to do anything about it. Okay, right. This this is the problem we've got, isn't it? Correct. Correct. I I think there are a couple of of really key messages that came out from this study. Uh, One is that um, the media seems to grab onto the cases of sexual abuse. Um, and and we've had our own cases, uh, like the USA Gymnastics case here in Canada across a number of sports. Especially in hockey, um, right? Especially in hockey, but also in gymnastics, swimming. I mean, the, the list is endless. And that's one of the, the key findings from this study, is that no sport is immune from these experiences. And secondly, despite the media's attention on sexual abuse, um, and and while sexual abuse needs to be addressed, absolutely, we also need to expand the lens of attention on other forms of abuse. In this study, we found that uh, psychological abuse, the types of stuff that were you read in that quote, is the most commonly reported type of abuse, and it's, it, it's not been part of our discourse to acknowledge that that psychological abuse that athletes get day in and day out through humiliating comments, body shaming, name calling, and so on, um, are just as linked with long-term health outcomes, negative health outcomes like uh, self-harming behavior, suicide ideation, um, other mental health issues like depression and anxiety. Uh, Psychological abuse is just as linked with those health outcomes as um, uh, sexual abuse. As I I started the show today, I talked about several instances of athletes I've seen throughout my career. There's a gymnast who died from anorexia here in town who, when trying to make the Olympic team, was an alternate and was told by her coach she was too fat. She developed anorexia and died from it. This coach Correct. is still coaching. There's a, there's another coach that told a, a swimmer she's a cancer on the team. This girl came to me. Yeah. I mean, at 17 years of age, this guy this guy eventually was fired. Um, and I've 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 experienced this as a professional for years. So, Doctor Kerr, what do we do about this? Your study has brought up the issues. Now, how yeah. do we how do we treat it? Because that's what I want to get into with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd like to start the answer to that question with what the 1,001 athletes said we should be doing about this problem. Well, they're the experts. Um, It's them. They are the experts. And yet, uh, what's extremely frustrating, at least here in Canada, is that the people in positions of power who are making decisions and establishing policies on this are not viewing the athletes as experts. Uh, that's that's a, a side point, but an important why, one. Okay, and what, why is that? Well, why do you think? It's, the, it's, uh, it, it's the same reason why um, uh, so many of these abusive behaviors are normalized in sport, and it's the same reason why 
85% of these athletes who suffered abuse did not report. And that's because the primary focus in sport is about performance outcomes. And when you think about it, the jobs of those those decision makers, those policy makers, those sport administrators and coaches all depend upon the performance of the athletes. You know, you're hitting on I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. You're hitting on something that I've talked about for years. I've been talking on this show. I've been on the radio in Kansas City now for 28 years and our show is now around the country in a number of cities and I have talked forever about the importance of psychological training for coaches. And most people have told me, well, Doc, that's a bunch of BS. We don't need to do that. You know, you need to teach kids how to win. Okay? And and that's been a big, big problem. And I've talked about it, and it's finally, Dr. Kerr, now it's finally being brought up. People are finally talking about it. And in Canada, I assume that's happening as well. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And so the athletes tell us that there needs to be mandatory education for all stakeholders to learn about all forms of abuse, not just how to prevent uh, predators, sexual predators or pedophiles getting into the sport arena, but to address all forms of, of maltreatment. When, when it comes down to it, the, the technical parts of sport are the easy things to learn but what what is too often forgotten in coaching is they're they're developing people they're they're working with people to actualize their potentials and i have to say in what other walk of life would we allow people to yell and scream and and demean and humiliate people we don't allow teachers to uh, treat students like that we don't allow our own employers to treat employees that way we don't even allow our intimate partners to treat us that you're, way you're exactly, and yet we you're exactly allow right. coaches yes yeah yeah we got to go to a commercial break here dr kerr stay on with this i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs talking with dr gretchen kerr at the university of toronto about an incredibly important study she's done about athlete mistreatment. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from my flagship station, Sports Radio, 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and today my guest is Dr. Gretchen Kerr from the University of Toronto in Canada. She is an expert in areas of maltreatment and youth sport coaching practices and coaching education and women in coaching, and she's just done this incredible study about abuse that athletes suffer. And Dr. Kerr, what do we do about this, okay? We, we have in the United States, <clears throat> USA Gymnastics, is, it's been well publicized, the whole issues of the sexual abuse that their team physician, Dr. Larry Nasser, did. It's talked about a lot now. I've been talking about these issues forever. It's now coming out in the open. We have an NBA player, Kevin Love, who a, year, a little more than a year ago came out about a panic attack he had, and he's talked about the importance of mental health on athletes. The NFL is now requiring all teams to have a team clinician on site to help athletes deal with issues. So what do we do about these things from your perspective? 
Mm-hmm. Well, the answer, I think, is, is multifaceted. From a preventative approach, we need uh, education for coaches and, and other people in positions of authority. Uh, it's very easy for a coach to put up a, a shingle saying they're a coach without any knowledge of uh, child development, adolescent development, and basically what are the best practices in terms of how people uh, learn and are motivated and so on. Where, excuse um, me, where, where do we start when, when, and I agree 100% with you, but when you have, and let's, let's say you have a parent who decides to coach their eight-year-old son's soccer team because there isn't a coach and they need one. And he goes, well, I played soccer when I was in high school. I can coach. But he has no training in, in psychology. How do we get that person to understand the importance of that? Right. And, and that's the common concern about mandating education for coaches is there's a large volunteer base that enables a lot of youth sports to occur. The interesting thing is when uh, other countries in the world have professionalized coaching, it actually draws more people into the profession. Um, And there's an analogous history uh, with teaching, that at one time teachers were volunteers, and it was only only when it was professionalized with a career trajectory and an entry to practice requirement that uh, did people enter the profession and therefore you didn't need a volunteer base. So it's an interesting um, exercise to kind of flip that question on its on its head. At the end of the day, we're letting people deal with our young people, influence their their development with little to no education about how young people learn and develop, and that's a problem. Once the once there is um, concern about a coach, then there needs to be a place, a safe place, where athletes can go to report their concerns. In this study, over half of athletes didn't tell anyone about their experience. Why? Why didn't they tell anybody? Because over half of them said they did not feel safe um, and did not feel that there won't, weren't negative repercussions if they did come forward. So if they said something, that, they'd lose playing time, they wouldn't get to play, they, they looked, be looked upon negatively. There was, they, there's, they, it's fear, fear of expression. And, and, and it's well-founded fear because the athletes who did come forward lost funding. These were athletes at the national level, so they lost funding. They were replaced on the team. They were even uh, extricated by their teammates because it affected the whole team culture. So one of the lessons learned from the Nassar case, and I hope will continue, is that these penalties for people who were in positions to know or suspect that maltreatment was occurring and they failed to act. I I love the, the quote uh, from a lawyer, Garabedian, who said, you know, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to abuse one. And the Nassar case is a perfect example of that, but that's, that's how most of them happen. Well, yes, it, and, and if, if I can interject here, because the, the caller yep. we had before we got you online, this, this guy said, as I said, we have to toughen these kids up because they're all crying. By the time I got him to start talking, he starts mentioning, well, yeah, I was... I was told negative things about my mother at age 13, but I didn't say anything about it. 
And I said, how old are your sons, 17 and 18? Have you ever asked them about this? Well, no, they told you anything. No, I, I would bet there's probably something they've been told, but they're probably scared to tell him because he says they've got to be tough, right? We've got, we've got to educate parents as well as the coaches. That's right. And there's been a few um, research studies that have looked at parents, uh, the process by which they're socialized into competitive sport to uh, accept these behaviors as normal, and not only normal, but needed to produce talent in their, in their young people. Um, and, you know, this conversation is sounding a lot like we're blaming coaches. Uh, but in a way, we have also socialized coaches to accept these behaviors by virtue of the fact that many of them were former elite athletes, which tells us they know how to be athletes, but it does not tell us about how, uh, tell us whether they know how to be coaches. We also don't do this in any other sector. We've all been students. We don't view that experience as suggesting we'd be good teachers. You're 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 100 um, percent correct. 100 percent correct. And I I am, have co-authored a book with uh, Major League Baseball All Star reliever Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming uh, Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone. It's called Just Let Them Play: Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. Our book's been out for a couple of years, and we talk about this in there all the time. We talk about the importance of communication. We talk about the importance of, of letting people speak up and talk about feelings, talk about the psychological side, because athletes and coaches are looked upon as weak if they, they say they have a problem, right? So they don't want to talk about it because it's a weakness. And if there's something negative that's happened to them, it makes them even weaker, correct? Correct. There's there's that very much that stigma. Um, and yet... Uh, we know that the best learning and development in any of any people of any age in any field is done uh, without um, intimidation, without humiliation, without crying every day. We just need to think about ourselves. When would we perform best at our jobs? When we feel supported, when we feel valued, when people care about us. And yes, we're being pushed out of our comfort zones, and that's okay, but it's done in a supportive way, not a degrading way. How much does self-confidence play a role in all this, Dr. Kerr? Um, you know, it, that's a tricky question because on one hand, um, it, many athletes uh, have their self-confidence whittled away by these degrading, psychologically abusive practices. On the other hand... You know, we see a lot of athletes who do have very high self-confidence, but they have a realistic view of the constraints on them um, doing anything about the abusive experiences that they face and the real structural barriers to doing anything. You know, the fact that they don't feel they have a safe place to go um, is a structural problem rather than something to do with the athlete's personal qualities. You know, you're hitting on so many important things here that, that I've talked about for years that so many people forever poo-pooed, and now they're starting to, to realize the importance of it. This study that you've done shows the importance of mental health in sport and why it's a problem. And real quickly, before we uh, wrap things up, you said you're, you're doing another study as well. Yes, we've, we've just submitted for publication a study looking at the long-term effects of receiving emotionally abusive coaching. Um, and these were former Olympians across a number of sports. And um, all of the uh, 12 
participants in the study. It was a, a qualitative study, so the sample was small, but provided some very rich data. All of them required professional psychological support when they retired. Um, and the symptoms, the, the point of this paper actually is to show that the symptoms these athletes report parallel the symptoms that are associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's a very, we're not, we're not able to draw a causal link at this point, but if it is the case that, that uh, athletes demonstrate symptoms of, of PTSD as a result of emotionally abusive coaching, then that's an that's extremely powerful finding. Dr. Gretchen Kerr, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to reach you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is, is through my email at the University of Toronto, which is gretchen.kerr at utoronto.ca. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fabulous. I'd like to have you on again. I, I love what you're doing here, and it's so important. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You can always reach me at my website, winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych. You can always give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. If you are a parent, you're a coach, you're an athlete, get people to listen to this show today. Dr. Kerr, is the, what, what she has shared with us is so, so important. People need to hear about this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great holiday. Talk to you next week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com.